I remember it was funny. We would get these packages um, of like meat um, that we were going to, they were going to cook up on the mess decks and on the packages it would say like, do not serve to prisoners. Or, you oh know? My God. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. y'all welcome back to that reload podcast it is an extra special episode today this is episode number 50 i am your host joel i'm joined with the, the entire crew as usual i have sitting across from me the bougie man himself our resident cook jeremy the kitchen white law meh meh <laughs> and next to him is our pit master and producer the man that tickles all the clips mr mafar Levels, levels. And last but not least, the sweet and sassy, sometimes salty, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. So, guys, this is episode 50. 50 episodes on the TRP podcast, and I, we got a very special guest, and I can't uh, imagine... We got two guests. That's correct. I can't imagine a more special guest because this company has been involved in two of our three anniversary giveaways that we have done um, over the past three years and have been uh, well-received by all of our customers. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. I want to introduce to you guys former Navy SEAL and founder of and CEO of Bottle Breacher, along with his beautiful wife, is also his partner in crime. I want to introduce to you Eli and Jen. Jen, I about forgot your name. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on the show today. Um, we're happy to have you guys on. So, Eli, buddy, I have uh, I want to jump into something real quick before we get into the guts of your company and all the amazing success that you've had as an entrepreneur. I've heard you had quite the uh, the badass career um, in the military. You know, can you uh, expound upon that little start to finish action for us? Yeah, well, it uh, it sounds kind of badass on the surface, and in ways it is pretty badass. But there was a lot of uh, a lot of failure involved in it, and a lot of a lot of time spent that wasn't so badass either uh, because of my failure. Um, and I, I like to talk about that a lot, just because I know that people out there that are listening to this show, um, your your regular average person, that's what they're that's what's relatable to most of us because most of us don't you know, succeed at everything that we try. And, uh, my first attempt to become a SEAL was unsuccessful. And it was because I didn't do a good, good enough job planning, um, and preparing for it. And I paid the price and, uh, I've seen that in business and I've seen that, you know, in so many other aspects of my life. And, uh, I eventually did make it to the SEAL teams, just like we eventually did have a successful business. Uh, but it's, there was a lot of failure, a lot of road bumps along the way, a lot of adversity. And honestly, I'm thankful for all of that. So um, spent about um, 13 years in the Navy, eight, eight and a half as a Navy SEAL and did three combat deployments with SEAL Team 3 and then uh, did some instructor duty. And um, yeah, so it was uh, it was great. So what but tell me this, though, bro, like why the the, the SEALs like what what? drove you because it's not uncommon knowledge that that's one of the hardest positions in the military to get into that the training is unbelievably rigorous so what drove you to, to one try it and like you said you know you, you weren't prepared and you didn't make it 
But then you had something inside you said, I'm going back. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Great question. I think that's a two-part answer. One, um, I learned a couple of years ago by somebody a lot smarter than me that uh, every young man, every man inside of him has the number one question that he needs to answer in his lifetime is, do I have what it takes? Um, and that, that there's so many ways, so many ways that we, uh, we can chop that up. Do I have what it takes to be a Navy SEAL? Do I have what it takes to be a man? Do I have what it takes to be a good husband? Do I have what it takes to be a father, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't think that there was anywhere that I could have my question answered quite like I could, um, in the SEAL teams. And so like I shared it, I didn't, uh, make it on my first try time, but eventually, you know, I got it. And the second, the second uh, part of that answer is impact. You know, I wanted to make an impact. I want my life to have a purpose. Um, I wanted to fight evil. I believe there's a lot of evil on this planet. And uh, I didn't think there would be any any place that I could make a more of an impact than if I was able to make it into the SEAL teams and be it what a lot of people call the tip of the spear. Right on, man. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, I don't know. I always, we have a, a great admiration for anyone that serves. Um, you know, I personally haven't served. I've had a lot of family that has friends that have, and I don't know if it's just the Patriot that's inside of us, but anybody that serves our company country, I have this emotional, you know, admiration for it. And so, you know, first, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a major sacrifice to do that. I want to jump over to Jen real quick. Um, you know, how, how did you guys meet? Did, did you guys meet before? The, the military or during or after? How, how, what was that about? I met, we met in high school. Uh, he was in college and um, I asked him out. He said no. No. And then our dog keeps checking us. And then I, we became good friends and um, I asked him out again a week before he left for Buds and he explained what was going to be happening. And I don't think I really understood, but I was willing to take a shot and take a chance. And so we started dating um, in 2005, got married the same year. Um, we lived apart during our dating and during the first six months of marriage. And when he, I finally got to move to San Diego after he graduated SQT training and became a SEAL, uh, we were finally together. He ended up deploying right away. Oh. So. I think the first, all of our dating and all the first year of our marriage, he was gone or busy or training or deployed. That, that is a, see, that's the thing I think a, a lot of, or not, maybe not a lot, but you know, some people don't think about is the heroes at home are just as much as heroes as the heroes that go out and serve our country. And so kudos, kudos to you yeah. for, for, sticking it out and and you know supporting your man here yeah. <laughs> well this guy goes out hunting all the time so i half the time i feel like i'm sitting back at home while he's deployed out in the woods in west tennessee <laughs> hey well yeah yeah we're just like you guys no. you know you know all the hardships <laughs> you know, you know we've, we've been there okay so guys i know the guys back here uh matt and jeremy are uh Raging foodies, um, extremely good cooks and barbecuers. And I think they, ha- they wanted to ask you guys some questions about uh, what the food was like in the, uh, over- oh, out there overseas. Yeah. Eli, could you talk a little bit about some of the places you've been deployed to? Or is that 
Is that off limits? I can I can talk about it. Um, so my first two deployments were on a ship after I didn't make it um, on the USS Gettysburg. It was an Aegis missile cruiser, and I wish we could have had some some of your guys' uh, good cooking skills out there because uh, <laughs> and it was wild. The food was not the food was pretty bad. I, we would do these things called uh, underway replenishments where we would get next to a like a big a bigger ship that was called like an oiler or something. And it would, um, it would, we would get fuel from it and then we would get food from it and mail from it. And I remember we would form these long lines with all the sailors on the ship and you would just pass like a package from one person to the next and it would go all the way below the decks to wherever they had to store it. And I remember it was funny. We would get these packages, um, of like meat, um, that we were going to, they were going to cook up on the mess decks and on the packages it would say like, do not serve to prisoners. Or, you oh know? <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Quality. It was just like, uh, the Navy doesn't do a good job of, uh, you know, and I don't think the military in general, you know, and, and, and I want to say this, you know, with respect of the logistical issues, but you, you know, you don't, you don't get fed really well. Um, you know, they don't, it, that's not really something that's factored into the budget. And a lot of guys end up with really poor diets. And I mean, a lot of, even, even in special, even in special forces, you know, they, they have a really massive budget, but you'll go out on, you spend a lot of your time on the road and a lot of the time, you know, you're just grabbing something quick. It's not like, you know, there's good food to fuel your body right. the right way. And you like, you're grabbing, you know, uh, like my last deployment was in Fallujah in 2010 and, we couldn't get a loaf of bread to save our life, you know? Wow. But mm. we, we, they would bring in frozen lobster. We had lobster, but no bread. And, <laughs> That's what Natalie said. You know, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, we, it was weird, man, because like every once in a while we, we would barter with like the locals and we would get hummus and like their pita bread or whatever. And it's then carbs. We, would get, um, we would get eggs. And that was the first time I'd ever seen, you know, eggs that, you know, had bird poop on them and feathers mm. and stuff, you know, cause <laughs> straight from the chicken's ass. Right. <laughs> that was kind of, of cool right there. Um, you know, but, uh, the food was always, was never really that good. And we actually would have a lot of, uh, care package mm. care packages that we would uh, request from our loved ones over here in the States. And they would send us macaroni or summer sausage or, pizza or you know we we would also have them send us uh like you know alcohol bourbon whiskey whatever <laughs> and they would label it soup they would <laughs> 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 um yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty wild just scavenging for uh for a good meal it's so cool for you to say that um our sister-in-law actually just got back from her third deployment um in afghanistan and um, we sent a bunch of reload to their, um, she's in the air force, their air evacuation team. And they were, she said they were putting it on everything. Like everything was really bland. And she said people were throwing it on their soups. And one of the things that she said was they had tons of salsa, but not, not tortilla chips. So that's something that we were sending her in, in boxes, you know, with tortilla she chips. It's so simple. She said this one guy loved spam. And he was just taking, he was just dousing it in, in our fully loaded seasoning. And she's like, it's like a quarter of the bottle. You need to stop. <laughs> but she said, he just ate it all up. It was good. Yeah. yeah so we, we really, we were happy to send that out there to them and them get some flavor. Do you find that? And do you find that when you're, you're deployed, uh, when you were deployed, that when you would get those little care packages that 
was that like a big morale boost? Was that, you know, was it like exciting or is that a normal thing? Because this was the first time that we was a, were able to actually like participate in care packages was when she went and on her deployment this time. Yeah, it was. It was always like you would always, they would always do mail call, you know, pretty regularly, you know, every couple of days. And if you got something, it kind of, kind of boosted your spirits a little bit, whether it was, uh, that was one way that Jen and I kept in, you know, I got to kind of watch my youngest daughter grow up was, uh, through pictures and and photos of her. So that was kind of cool to see, you know, my daughter growing up, you know, getting bigger. And, uh, it was also cool because like I said, they would send, you know, they would send, you know, letters, but because email was a thing back then, you know, the letter wasn't as, as much of a thing, but, sure. you know, just goodies. And I would have them send movies and DVDs. Cause you know, I would, you know, throw them on my laptop and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, that was always cool to, you know, just to know that people back in the States, you know, were thinking of you. That's cool, man. So you got something to say? Yeah. I yeah. just want to know, um, you know, being in the military, serving as a Navy SEAL, being on three deployments, um, what is something that you feel like the military taught you that helped you be successful later in life as a business owner? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and especially in, you know, special forces where oftentimes you're not near the main hubs or the main bases, you get sent out to like smaller outposts and what you end up having to do, not, not only when you're getting set up, but even when you go out and do missions is you, you have to do, be able to do less or more with less. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to entrepreneurship is that, you know, when me and Jen were starting this up, you know, it was just the two of us, we had to wear all the hats. We had to do new product development, production, accounting, bookkeeping, marketing, website development, all of those things. And we only, there were only two of us. And so you guys understand how quickly you can get yourself spread thin, but if you do, if you're not willing to, you know, start, you know, at some, at some place and, you know, um, do more with less than it's not going to work out for you in entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's definitely, um, and that's something that, you know, when me and Stacy, when we see, um, couples like you guys that have grinded it out and become what you are, it's, that's, that's a guy, an inspiration to people like us. And I'm, I'm sure many other entrepreneurs because it's possible, you know, it's like sometimes as an entrepreneur, when you are at, up at midnight and you've worked all day already and you're, you're packaging orders or responding to emails or just going over, um, future plans or whatever it is, you feel like you're never off work. Um, and it's, and, and you always go to your say to yourself, is this going to end, you know, but people like you is that's, it's a, it's a good example of, yes, there is, if you work hard enough, there is good light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, guys. So that being said, let's take a break. Um, and on the other side, we are going to get back with Jen and Eli, and we're going to be talking some more things about entrepreneurship and the bottle breacher business. Right, guys so we are back from the break and we are going to be diving into the guts of the bottle breacher company is a juggernaut of man gifts 
Um, let's get into it right now. You know, Eli, I want to ask you and Jen, where did this idea come from? And <laughs> I mean, and, and why? What made you go, I'm going to make custom bottle breachers and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You want to take on? Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> so um, my little brother, um, he, he played a really big part in develop, you know, our, getting us our start. He bought, brought me a gift home from the Philippines, I think in 2009. It was a really raw and generic 50 cal bottle opener. And uh, I'd never seen anything like it. And most people hadn't, to be honest with you. And uh, uh, when guys would come over to my house to, you know, have beers and hang out, I'd always break that thing out and they would flip. And so I was like, man, dude, there's got to be a way. This thing is cool, but there's got to be a way to make it better. And so I started working on it, made it a little bit better than what it already was. And then I asked this girl right here, who's the executioner at Bottle Breacher, um, hey, babe, you think you could help me sell this? And uh, she did some market research, um, told me that she thought we should sell it on Etsy, something I'd never even heard of. And I was like, gave her a little pushback on that. I was like, well, maybe eBay or something I've heard of. And she was like, nope, we're doing it on Etsy. And mm-hmm. she was right. Um, and that's uh, that's how we started this. Aren't we lucky, though? Uh, aren't like. I we're feel like I'm in the same. If it wasn't for her, there wouldn't be a reload rubbing seasoning. Cause you know, when it comes to like that kind of stuff, I'm just like a fish out of water. I, you know, I, I, and I, and part of me doesn't even want to deal with that part of the, of the business, but she is a rock star. So we're lucky to have, Stop. you know, these lovely ladies, <laughs> the, the real backbones of the company. And then, yeah, we, and then we sure. have you guys that are the face. That's right. That's it. <laughs> we're so pretty. We're <laughs> We're in trouble for the face. Yeah. But no, so, uh, go ahead. I was going to ask, so how, what, how did you get from Etsy into full on e-commerce website? Like what, what were those steps? What, what made you take that next step? You told me we had to have a website. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a man. I put my foot down and told, Hey, that's right. <laughs> like that with an iron fist. No, the reason I did it was because we were getting ready to go on Shark Tank and I learned in the SEAL teams that one is none and two is one and redundancy is always, you know, so important. And I'm glad that we did because with if we wouldn't have done that, we would have lost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, wow. because our, our uh, I'm sorry, no. So one of the reasons we did it was because Etsy obviously takes a, uh, they, they take a fee, right? Oh. And so we wanted to funnel the traffic to the website so that we didn't have to pay that fee to Etsy. And that's what happened. Our website crashed Etsy within within us. seconds. And then Etsy, we were able to funnel everybody to Etsy. And so, but redundancy is always important in entrepreneurship, as everybody knows. If you uh, if you think that your, your plan or your business plan is going to survive first contact, you know, once you get hit with a storm, you know, um, you're going to fail. And so you always, as entrepreneurs, we always need to be looking for, okay, we, we need to be asking the question, what are we going to do if so-and-so quits? Or what are we going to do if this machine breaks? Or what are we going to do if our, we're, we're low on inventory? And we've always got to be asking those questions. And that for me was a very natural um, crossover because we do that all the time in war. We're always asking, you know, if this truck you know, goes down or if this guy gets shot or if, you know, this, the bad guy's not at this target, what are we going to do? And we always have a contingency plan built into the operation. Well, backing you up a little bit there. So, you know, when you went on Shark Tank, um, 
you know, I, I, I've heard, you know, listened to your story and, and, and everything. And when you went on Shark Tank, I know you guys had this massive explosion, you know, afterwards that it crashed your website, that you all, um, your sales were just out through the roof. But with the, the thing I think people don't pay attention to on this is that you guys were no slouches before you went on Shark Tank. I mean, you said you were, I think you were doing what, 80 to 100 grand a month um, in sales, you know, just through, yeah. through Etsy? Yeah, we were. It was, it was crazy, man. Especially when you, when, when I tell people what my initial goal was, when I started this, one of the, one of the reasons just to back up, one of the reasons I had the confidence that we could get going in it was because Jen had successfully been running two other um, small businesses where she was cash flow positive. And like, nice. I was really, I helped her a little bit as far as like, I would cut wood for her, but she did all the business stuff. She, she made all the product. And then I was like, when I was home, I would go to the post office and drop off her orders. And so I was like, man, this, you know, maybe, maybe she could help me sell this product and stand something up. And so my original goal was I wanted to make $500 a month, like supplemental income to like, you know, for a date night, a babysitter or you sure. know, to buy another fire or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within, within six months, you know, we were doing about $7,500 a month in revenue. And I was, even then I was blown away. And I had a couple of friends that at that point they were like, Eli, this isn't normal. I hope you realize that, you know, yeah. what you're doing six months into this isn't normal. And then, you know, at that point we, we made a really really good decision in our business. We, uh, we sold my motorcycle and we bought our first laser engraver. And at that point we went from $7,500 a month to $22,000 a month in about a month and a half. Um, and because we got into laser engravers and we got it, Jen got us into the wedding business. Um, and so from there, six months after that, you know, we were doing about $30,000 a month and then fast forward six months from there, about a year and a half in, we were doing about $80,000 a month and we, we were killing it. And, and that's when I went and pitched on the shark tank. And in year two, we were projected to do right around 900,000 in sales with pretty good margins. Um, and so, you know, it would just blew us away. And, um, you know, it gave us, it gave us the hope that we could, when we got out of the military, we, you know, I wasn't going to have to stay in, in the reserves and that, you know, we were going to be able to provide for our family when we got out. Right on. So can, what did you do to prepare your business for heading on to Shark Tank? I know that there's, did you just stock up or did you, you know, call up the website provider and say, Hey, we're going to need some increased bandwidth or what, how did you prepare for that? Sure. You want to take this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we did a bunch of things. Um, it was kind of crazy to be honest. A lot of people don't realize how Shark Tank works. There's so much uncertainty in it. Even if you go out, even if you get out to Sony Picture Studios, it doesn't guarantee that you're even going to get to go in front of the sharks, right? The first wow. day you're there is pre-pitch day. Um, so you, you, you do that. And if they feel like you project well, you're going to be well on, do well on camera, then they'll bring you back to talk to the sharks. And then even if you get a deal or you don't get a deal, even if you get a deal, they say, hey, this might not air on TV. And so you have to go back to your business at that point, knowing full well that your product could get exposed to 12 million people. I think that's, that's, what, it, that's what it was at the time. Right. And, um, and be like, okay, are we going to be ready for this? But if we dump a bunch of, if we dump a bunch of capital in and this thing doesn't air, if we hire a bunch of people, then we're in trouble. And for our episode in general, they tried to rush to get us through the process of due diligence where the sharks actually check out your business 
And they did that so they could get us on the Veterans Day special. So I think we had like two and a half, three months of due diligence. And me and Jen had to come back. And I think at the time, we had about $70,000 in our, our business account. And so we rolled the dice. We said that, hey, we're going to take every penny we've got. We're going to try and do as much as we can to prepare in case this thing does hit, in case our episode does air. And, and that's what we did. And Jen likes to tell people that if, uh, if that episode wouldn't have aired the night that it did, we wouldn't have made payroll the next week. I mean, that's how all in we went. So really? we, wow. we, uh, we, bought, we bought a lot more inventory. Um, I think we got a couple extra laser engravers. We hired a couple more people in staff. And then, you know, we, cause, and the other thing too, was I had asked one of our um, sharks, you know, Hey, what do you think we're going to do next year in revenue compared to what we're doing now? And the answer I got from them was, well, we think you'll probably double. And, you know, we did about five times what we, <laughs> we'd done. So there's really no way to know what's going to happen, but we, we kind of took the risk that if we're going to, we, we'd rather err on the side of going all in, which is kind of my nature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not always thrilled about that, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of, I hope that answered your question. Those are a few of the things that we did. And we also asked Mark Cuban's team, Hey, can you test our website? Can you load test it? Can you make sure it's ready, you know, for shark tank? And, you know, so we, 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 and we also held some mock shark tank, boards here in town where we brought in business folks from town we brought in accountants we brought in you know people that and we asked them hey you know ask feel free to ask us anything and so we kind of had a couple dry runs and that again that was something that we did in the seal teams all the time we always would do rehearsals if we had the time to do it we'd build you know mock-up targets if we could um, and we just wanted, when we got on target, we didn't want it to be the first time that we'd seen something. And so Jen, Jen and I tried to follow a similar, uh, recipe on the shark tank. So, um, real quick, the backing you up, just, just again, the, what made you want to go on the shark tank? Because, you know, when I, I look at how young your company was and how in a lot of entrepreneurs minds, y'all would be crushing it for the amount of time your company had been alive what made you think we need to go on shark tank? Like what, what was there a part of you that, cause I, I think part of me would have been like, we're doing really good. You know, we don't need to give up equity. We don't need to go down that route. Cause who knows we're going to be on a five-year plan if we keep going like this. So what made you think we got to get on shark tank? You want this one? I don't even remember why. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on this, on this one, it, for me, it was, I really felt like, and I think a lot of Americans or just people in general, when they watch that show, they feel like they, they love rooting for the underdog and yeah. they love seeing, you know, they love watching the updates and be like, Oh, they were doing X and now they're doing five X. And I felt like we could be one of those, one of those uh, groups. But the, one of the biggest things that I wanted is, is I wanted a tactical partner, somebody that could mentor us through the process that it, you know, had had experience with multiple successful ventures so that like there wasn't a problem that this guy or this girl hadn't seen before. If we if we ran into it, they could kind of walk us through what our options were, what the pros and the cons were, et cetera, kind of like a mentorship. And so not only that, but then I knew as well that we could get some extra capital and we could also get massive exposure, you know, and my, I really wanted to build a brand. I, I didn't want to just be the 50 cal bottle opener guy. Um, and so I felt like that would help, help us 
um, you know, with exposure so that when we launch new products, we, we had a bigger newsletter and a better opportunity to go back and say, yeah, thanks for buying that um, from us. And now we've got something else that you might be interested in as well. So those were a couple of the reasons that I wanted to do it. Makes sense. So I know you guys started out um, in San Diego, California, out of a one-car garage. Um, As we know, it's tough to try to manage your business out of a small area. Um, How long was it that you guys were working out of that before you realized, okay, we can't do this anymore. We need to upgrade. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So um, we, yeah, it was like, it was like about a two, about a two year period. And, uh, yes, yes. I, we really, you know, it, it's so hard as you guys probably know, and a lot I of entrepreneurs, yeah, Jen wanted to keep it small, <laughs> and I wanted to go big with it. but, uh, I think, um, I knew that if we were ever going to make it what I wanted it to be, it was going to have to, we we're going to have to take that step. We we're going to have to do it full time. It was going to have to be out of the house because like, that's one of the things that as an entrepreneur anyway, it's hard to detach from the business. It's hard to put your phone down. It's hard to quit checking emails. It's hard to get off social media and spend time with your family. And so, um, and that was really, especially hard for us going on Shark Tank because our world just blew up. We had way more work than we could even do. We felt we're drowning in it. And, you know, we had two little kids. And so um, it was really difficult for us to detach from that and, you know, have balance. And, you know, Thankfully, we had some mentors that had been through the process and they kind of told us what to expect. And they kind of, you know, said, hey, this is just a phase of your life. It's going to like everything else, it will come to an end. And so, you know, we wanted to get it out of the out of the garage as quickly as we could so that we could have more of a, you know, a private life. We, we at that point, we, we had a one car garage and we had five or six employees working in our garage and they would come in and use the bathroom. And it's just it, it was what it was. But we wanted more, you know wanted more of a, you know, our personal space. And so after about two years, we decided that let's, let's, let's do this full time and let's, let's, you know, let's give it a, let's give it a go. That's amazing. So straight from the military and, you know, Jen, I'm not sure your background with things, but where did you guys gain all of your business knowledge from? Being awesome. (laughs) Jen Jen had a pretty, she has a pretty good business head on her shoulders as far as like, just like, you know, making sure that, you know, the, the, uh, T's are crossed, the I's are dotted. And also, you know, growing up in the banking world and then going to Eller business college at U of A, she, she really had a good foundation, um, in, in a lot of the stuff that we were going to need to be successful. And then you, and you bring in my skill sets, which were creativity, um, being able to lead, being able to build teams, not being afraid to fail, not being afraid to go big, um, you know, being humble enough to try stuff, realizing it's not working, shift, try something else, um, contingency planning. Like, you know, it, it was kind of cool because even though we're so opposite, we're so opposite, but, you know, <laughs> it's like our, our, our <laughs> skill sets really complemented each other's, I think. And it, you know, it was when we finally learned how to like respect each other and stay in each other's swim lane that, you know, we really started to do, you know, really started to click because that, that was really hard for us. We had, we barely lived together that much when I was in the military because I was gone all the time. Now we were living together and we were running a business together and trying to raise kids together. And anybody that's yeah. ever tried to do that can tell you how how easy it is to bring work home and never talk about anything but work. And like you lose that sense of 
hey, why did we why did we get together in the so I'm just grateful that we learned not only did we learn to stay in our own swim lanes and respect one another, but we also were able to bring in people um that were able to take a lot of the load off of us and uh you know that that's made that's made it possible I think to do it as long as we have. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you guys have your, your flagship product, the 50 cal bottle opener, but if someone were to go to your website, they see you have a ton of products. You have all sorts of different bottle openers and stuff. Now, uh, was that pre shark tank or post shark tank that you guys started developing other products? I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. You're going to talk about it. It was post shark tank. (laughs) 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 So on top of thousands of new orders, you're now developing new products also. Yeah, I yeah. love how we're on a podcast and all of a sudden she's mute. No. She, she, <laughs> <laughs> when we get off this podcast, she'll be she'll be talking my ear no. off, man. But no, it was close. Yeah, it was. It was. Close. Did we have the keychain too? No, we didn't have anything yet, but the fifty cal. We we took a twenty millimeter on the show to show them, hey, that oh, we are working on a, we are working on other stuff. Um, and Damon John actually made us an interesting offer that had a bunch of contingencies in it um, based on whether we could get licensing and all sure. sorts of stuff. And we just passed on it because it had too many contingencies. And we wanted somebody that believed in what we were doing, believed in us, and was ready to just make a deal and cut a check. So um, yeah. Damon, Damon didn't get to be a part of it. Because <laughs> you guys do hold the patent on that specific bottle opener, don't you? Yeah. So it's kind of weird, man. That's That's a interest it's not it's a uh there's a lot going on in that question and i don't want to get too much into it for time's sake i don't mind talking about any of it but um we actually applied for a design patent like four months into me starting making these things and before the shark tank even hit like a year and a half after that my the design patent got issued to us. So we actually had intellectual property going nice. into the show, but nice. a couple of days before the show, Jen and I got a, a letter from a, a cease and desist letter from a law firm saying that if we, if we went on the show that we would be um, infringing on somebody else's intellectual property and, and we would be held liable for up to like $2 million. This happened like two days before the show. And here what? We, yeah, it was crazy. And me and Jen, we, we've always tried to live our life in like an upstanding way. And like, we, you know, we try and treat people the way that we want, that, that we want to be treated. And, uh, you know, so we couldn't believe that we were, you know, getting this like, Hey, if you go on the show, we're going to sue you type, type letter. And, uh, so we, we actually, uh, we ended up praying about it and, uh, we ended up having to tell the sharks about it because we had inked the deal. And I thought, you know, it's only right that if these guys are going to do business with us, they know that this might be a some pending litigation. Thankfully, both of them decided to hang with us. Um, and, uh, we, we, we came to resolve that issue with, you know, and with multiple companies, it was so wild because I was like, dude, we, we did the, we, we did the right thing. We applied for a patent. We got the patent issued. How, how is somebody else now able to come in and get in on this? And, Long story short, for this, maybe it'll be a little entrepreneurial lesson for somebody watching your show, but um, we got hit with a trade dress. So our competitor had something called a trade dress, and it's not a trademark. It's called a trade dress, and it it works kind of like a patent. If you developed a product in the United States of America and you've sold that product for over a year, the U.S. Patent Office will not let you get a patent on it. 
but there is a workaround and it's called a trade dress. And like the Coca-Cola bottle has a, you know, a trade dress on their design. And these guys had figured out a way around um, that little stipulation. So they filed a trade dress and it is binding in a court of law. And so now me and Jenner on the hook for infringing on this, you know, their IP. And so we had a decision to make, okay, do we want to take our patent and go fight against their trade dress? Or, you know, do we want to just, you know, respect their IP and, you know, give them a cut of what we're doing and royalty. And so that was a really important decision that we had to make. And, uh, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty wild right before the show having to do wow, with that. Man. That's wild. So what did you do? Yeah. Don't leave us hanging here. Come on. No. <laughs> you, and I, I don't mind talking about it at all. And, did you, you know, kill him with actually, your seal powers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. And I, like I said, like I said, I'm a big believer of treating people the way that I want to be treated. And I said, you know what, these guys, they, they actually, even though they didn't have a patent, even though my patent attorney didn't find their IP, they still actually did it by the books. And it, I think one day I'm going to be in a spot to where I'll have paid the money and done the homework and done the research for my own intellectual property. And I hope that somebody will respect what I've done as well. And so we actually ended up coming to a royalty deal with another company, not the company that threatened to sue us, but another company that actually held the IP that the company that threatened to sue us was licensing. So um, we, we do have a royalty deal with a third, another company. we Every bottle breacher, every 50 cal that is sold, we pay a royalty on it. And it's just, even though it's a pain in the ass, like I'm a firm believer that on the, on the battlefield or in business, you, you, my job is to keep us moving forward. Like I could get, and my attorney told me, he's like, Hey, look, Eli, here's the deal. This is binding. We could go fight them. There's a, maybe a 50, 50 chance we win or we lose. But I'll tell you what, if, if this guy decides that he's going to fight us in a court of law, you could spend you know, multiple yes. years and up to three, $400,000 in a lawsuit with this guy. And so I get it. And I'm like, do I really want that? Do I really want to be thinking about that every day and pissed off and thinking about, you know, going to court and being sued and like fighting somebody in court, or do I just want to make a deal and move forward towards the future? And that was the, that was the, uh, the window that we chose. Amen. I man. think I'd go that route too. Yeah. That a thousand percent. Mm. Me, it was way less stress. And it also, it gave me a chance to practice what I preach and be like, okay, this guy did it. He did it the right way. This is, le- this is legal. Um, and I just want to show respect and hopefully, you know, you reap what you sow, what goes around comes around. And if, if we're ever in that, cause we have like seven or eight patents ourselves now. And if, you know, we've had some run-ins with folks that were infringing on our stuff and, yeah. you know, we've all tried to handle it in a respectful way, but and, and hope that people will show respect to, you know, what we've worked for and what we've invested in. And speaking of like, you reap what you sow, um, to my knowledge, you guys give back a lot to other organizations. Can you, can you name off some of the things that you guys do to give back to others? See, tell them, tell them some of the organizations. We, we, okay. So we work with America's Mighty Warriors. We work with, um, uh, Moral Benefit, which is now called American Valor Foundation. We work with um, Jesse Pittman Memorial Fund. We work with a lot of organizations that give back to those that serve, those that um, have served. Um, a lot of them, I'd say half of them are based off of family members who have lost yeah. uh, a son um, at war and they want to make a difference by remembering who they are. And so we love to work with 
those nonprofits just remembering and honoring them. So it's really neat when it's not just that you buy a bottle breacher and a portion goes back, but you buy a certain bottle breacher, like a never forgotten series and a portion of that goes to the nonprofit. And I love that because you're getting a bottle breacher that remembers and honors a hero, a warrior, and their names are never forgotten because of it. And so I think that's my favorite part. Actually. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And it, you know, for me, like, um, I'm, I've always been a big mission guy. Like I can't get involved in anything unless there's a mission. Like, I don't care how much money you're paying me. I don't care. Like, what you know what the title is or you know how glamorous it is it's just like i i believe you know i believe that you know life is short we only go around once and if you're not if if you don't find a way to like bless others or to give back to others you're missing one of the biggest blessings in life and it just like after being a seal you know and, and you know I, jo- I actually joined the navy the week after 9-11 and mm-hmm. then did did you know you know, um, uh, many years in the, in the Navy, you know, and I real I realized that, you know, life is short and, you know, there's a lot of people that need help out there. There's a lot of people hurting out there. There's a lot of evil out there. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life in some way, shape or form trying to bless other people and give back to other people. And so, you know, honestly, business was never something that I saw myself doing or, you know, wanted to necessarily get into. And then when I did, I had to, if I was going to do it for a long period of time, I knew I was going to have to find a way to make mission a part of what we were doing. And, you know, even, you know, even now I'm, you know, still, we still, we're still doing bottle preacher, you know, I'm still doing some, some other, other things. And, uh, you know, but I'm always looking for a way to, you know, bless other people. And, you know, that, that'll be something that will never change for me. Amen, buddy. You know, and that's, I, I love the similarities that our company and, and your company has. Um, you know, that's one thing when me and Stacy started Reload was we were sitting on the couch, you know, just right over here in the living room. And we were talking to ourselves, you know, trying to name the company. And we were, and one thing we, we said, I, we talked about to each other is that, God was going to be at the forefront of our company and that whatever we do, we want him to be a part of it and do something with it. And, you know, whether it's from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. And then we got the name reload, which is great because we love tactical stuff, but the, 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 the word itself reloading into others and reloading into yourself is something that we try to preach and practice on a regular basis. And so I love that. I love that about mm-hmm. you and your wife. I love that you guys, it's not just about, you know, creating a giant successful business that it's about, you know, we're going to, if we're going to, if we're, we're going to become something this successful, we're going to do something good. We're going to do it. something with it. So, and I admire that about you guys, but let's take a break. And on the other side, we got some fun little topics that we're going to be bringing up. Uh, to Eli and Jen that uh, I can't wait to uh, talk about personally. So stick with us. We'll see you on the other side. All right, we're back from the break. Uh, so one of the things I want to get into that we haven't had a chance to talk much about is firearms and fun EDC stuff. So Eli, I know one of the things we talked about before the show got started 
as you actually do a lot of work with SIG, uh, I think you're actually an ambassador for them. So could you tell us a little bit about your involvement with that company and how, how you kind of got that started with them? Yeah, so I think uh, I think my official title for them is a consultant, but it's kind of more it's kind of like a consultant ambassador type role. It's it's really a cool role, and it's just a total god thing. It's a total blessing because like if you had ever told me that Sig was going to pay me to promote their products and um, and and shoot their ammo and come at, come to their events and like meet their team and like talk at their events, I'd have been like, All right, get out of here. That's impossible. That that couldn't. <laughs> and uh, it, it you know it did happen, and it's we've been doing it now. I think for two and a half years, maybe two two. Yeah, so two and a half jealous. years. I, so think I'm, I think I'm in year three, and uh, it's just been so cool. It actually was really interesting. I had a publicist at the time. I've had several publicists over the years, and you know, just to try and get media or coverage with Bottle Breacher and you know other t- other stuff. And uh, my publicist, um, she represented a guy named John Ratzenberger, who you might know as Cliff Clavin from Cheers. He also does uh, Pixar. He also does like. Er- Every Pixar movie, he's, you know, we're, we're a little bit too young for most of us to have grown up watching Cheers. Watch but Cheers. I watched Cheers. The, mail, the mailman. Yeah. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. He's I think a, it was Ham on Toy Story. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a really. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, yeah. Now I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she represented him and he'd done a lot of speaking at Sig Sauer because a lot of people don't know that Sig is a made in the USA company. And John Ratzenberger had a show called Made in the USA, I believe, for like six seasons. And so Sig would have him out there. He would speak at their events and stuff. And my publicist, a lady named Diane, uh, she asked me, she said, Eli, would you like to uh, go meet the guys at Sig? And I was like, Sig Sour? Are you kidding me? I'd love to. Because I had carried a Sig Sour in the SEAL teams, and I I love their products. I, I was the guy for a lot of years in the teams, the ordnance rep that had to deal with all the ammunition, all the manufacturers. If somebody's gun broke or a part on it broke, like I had to make sure that it was fixed and inventoried also. I knew which, which firearms were quality and which ones gave us a lot of problems. And I never had any problems with SIG and I knew they were a great company. So I was fired up when I got to go out there and meet them. Originally, we just talked about maybe um, having some bottle breachers on their website, but then after meeting their team and their chief marketing officer, who's a phenomenal guy named Tom Taylor, you know, he said, Eli, there's possibly, we could possibly do some more with this partnership if you'd like. And I said, Tom, I would love the opportunity. And so I hounded him for like six months. I'm like, Tom, <laughs> let, me, let me be a part of what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, what you guys are doing is fantastic. Cause I didn't know that SIG, not only did they have amazing handguns, but they had amazing carbines. They have ammo, they have optics, they have their own suppressors. Now they have their own machine guns. They just launched a tactical bolt gun at SHOT Show. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't even realize, but if you go to NRA or if you go to SHOT Show, it becomes really quick who the 800-pound gorilla is in the yeah. Right now, at this point in time, it is definitely sick. They hire a lot of military and law enforcement, too, which is just yeah. awesome. I didn't know they had optics. Yeah, yeah they I didn't do. know they had ammo. Yeah, I didn't know they yeah. had ammo either. If you go to their website, if you go look up SIG Optics, I mean, um, they, their, their optics, we, we visited their optics facility up in Oregon. Um, their ammo facility is down in Arkansas. And it's like their CEO is a guy named Ron Cohen. He's, a, he's an Israeli former uh, soldier over there. And he's also an engineer. So he's got an engineering background. 
Um, he's got a, you know, the veteran background. So it's cool because he understands the necessity for firearms, how important they are, but he also, um, he can also look at things from an engineering background, which a lot of CEOs like myself cannot. And so that really, you know, and he's such a risk taker, man. I mean, we know, you guys know at Reload, we know at Bottle Breacher, the more things that you get involved in, the more risk you take on. Yeah. And I'm blown away at like the, the fact that they have invested so much into so many different verticals where most people would, wouldn't even, they wouldn't even think about it. They wouldn't even think about taking on that amount of risk. But not only have they done it, but if you start, you know, working with, you know, SIG ammo or SIG optics or SIG suppressors or, you know, you go pick up their new SIG Cross, which just launched a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you'll be blown away. It, the SIG, I mean, the quality, it, it transcends, you know, the different verticals that, that they're in. And that's kind of the rule. If we can't, if we can't do it well, we're not going to do it. So. Yeah. So when I, um, when me and state, when Stacy was first getting her carry permit, you know, years ago, and we were shopping for a pistol. Um, I wanted to get her something that would be easy for her to fire, kind of a no-nonsense. Um, we looked at revolvers and things like that, but they were just a little chunky. And I wanted, I, I would really wanted her to have a semi-auto, but a lot of those semi-autos, they were, they were tough chambers, you know. And we tried a bunch. We tried a bunch, and then we stumbled upon the uh, Sig P two thirty eight, the little mini nineteen eleven, and yep. it was just butter. Do what? That's what Jen has. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great little gun. It shoot, it shoots lights out, and uh, you know <laughs> we ended up buying two because I had to have one as well because uh, it was just it was a sexy little gun. It was, I mean, the slide was butter. Um, I wanted something that I felt confident with. Like I, I'm the type of person like I always have these dreams. Like I didn't make it to class. I didn't do my homework. My teeth are falling out. My <laughs> I can't dial nine one one or my gun gets jammed. Those are the types yeah. of dreams I have. And so it was a fear of mine when I had a carry gun. Like, is my gun going to get jammed? Is it going to be too hard for me to to rack it? And, you know, that one was so smooth. So, of course, obviously, we went with that one. And it hasn't failed us yet. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's a great little gun. And I love, like, I, I love SIG products. They're, they're fantastic. They're one of a kind for sure. So, yeah. got some more questions for you, brother. Um, What, how do I ask this? Or do you prep at all? Are you like a, are you, do you do any kind of like underground prepping? Especially in this time of age. Absolutely. I think if I don't want to, I don't want to make judgments here, but I think if you're not prepping in some fashion, you're not, you're, you're not paying attention just because I mean, the, the world is a pretty scary place right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, nationally, globally, um, politically, it just down, down the line. And I think that, um, you know, self-reliance has always been really important to me. Um, and so for sure, I'm definitely, I'm definitely trying to stockpile, you know, with the rest, with the rest of people and not because not be def- I definitely don't live my life in fear, but sure. I've got my eyes open and I see what's going on. And I don't, I'm not the type of guy clearly because I do carry a firearm every day. I'm not the type of guy that, you know, is going to count on somebody else to be there for us when, we, when things go sideways. Yeah, man. I'm that we do everything that we can, you know, as individuals to be prepared for whatever we can be prepared for. 
So I'm sure you got, you know, I'm sure you're good on weapons. I'm sure you're good on tons of ammo, all that jazz. What about like food? Do you guys do any kind of like uh, survival food prep at all? Yeah, we do. We have, you know, we have MREs. Uh, we have ah. canned food. I mean, we that's something we could do a better job of um, having some more food. But, you know, I mean, those, you know, the basics, you know, generator, you know, food, water, ammo, yeah. bullets, first aid equipment, um, gas, right? Um, you know, there's so many things that, so many things, communications, um, you know, there's so many things that you, we really take for granted because we've lived in so much freedom and prosperity. And that's one of the things that really bothers me is that, especially when I see people running down the country constantly, I'm like, do you guys even realize how lucky we are to be here? Do you realize how free and prosperous we are? You are just to be here to have the freedom to run this country down with your mouth and bad. And don't get me wrong. I fought for that. Right. Yeah, I'll fight for anybody's right to, you know, I think the free freedom of speech is most important when you disagree with somebody. So I'll fight for your right to run the country down, to hate on it, to even tell me that, you know, call me names or say I'm this, I'm that, or, you know, but I don't think a lot of people, because we've grown up with so much prosperity and freedom um, in this country, have any idea what they're talking about as they run this country down and, you know, talk about how, you know, just horrible and awful it is here. And so, um, you know, those are definitely, definitely things that Jen and I look at as far as, um, you know, making sure that we've done what we can to be ready. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of prepping too, I think, you know, is uh, relationship building. Cause I'll tell you what, man, so much of, you know, so much of, you know, where you're going to be and what you're going to be able to get away with and pull off is going to be based on who, you know, and, yeah. you know, who your friends are and, you know, and, and, and relationships. And I don't think a lot of people, a lot of preppers think about that, like how important uh, their network and, and their relationships are, you know, that you can pick up a phone and be like, Hey brother, I need help over here. Um, yeah. you know, bring, bring, bring a truck, a shovel and, you know, a, a bag of purposes, Right. Do what? Sorry. Thanks, doing so I have um, the inner prepper in me has come out over the past couple of years, and you know we're so actually in the process of selling our current home and building another one, so that's kind of come slightly to a halt. Yeah, yeah, a little but bit. We are but, ready to keep going back. But one thing is, you know, I'm an avid hunter, and um, and with what we do, I love to stockpile meat. And I've got three freezers in the garage that are just jam-packed full of domestic and wild game. And that's one thing that, you know, even when COVID hit, I was kind of like, I wasn't really worried. I'm like, shit, we got six months of food out here. You know what I mean? We're about to find some carbs because we got a bunch of lean meat. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I felt good about the food, you know. And, and of course, you know, ammo is something that we 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 have, you know, this year. I, well, I, remember, I remember my uncle years ago, he said, this is, oh God, this is probably, you know, 08 or 07. He says, you need to buy ammo because you need to, you need to buy ammo as much as you can. And I didn't. And then ammo prices went through the rick and roof and I regretted it. So, but that's basically what, you know, we, we do, we do have an exit strategy. You know, if, if, you know, 
shit hits the fan kind of a thing. We know where we're going. We know what we're doing. We know the people we're grabbing, all that kind of stuff. So it's, I wouldn't say we're like full-blown preppers by any means, but we do, we're awake to, uh, to, yeah. it, to it in general. Right. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, like I said, it's like um, when you live in the freest, most prosperous country in the history of the world, it gets really easy to become complacent and take it for granted and have that idea that like, nothing could, nothing crazy could ever happen here. But yeah. if you look back over a long enough timeline in history, you know, history re- repeats itself always. And, you know, there's never been an imp- you know, most empires only last about 300 years. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, I don't want to talk about gloom and doom and, you know, everything along those lines. I'm just saying that there's yeah. a lot that could, there's so many things that could go wrong. And, um, I'm just saying, if you're not thinking about how are we going to deal with this situation, um, because you're so focused on what's on, you know, Netflix tonight, or what are we having for dinner or, you know, just your own little personal bubble. I think, you stand a good chance of being one of these folks that has that, Oh crap, look on your face when, you know, something does happen. Well, I, I always say I would rather look silly or look stupid being prepared than to look stupid, not being prepared. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, last question of this segment, I'm going to, I'm going to bring in a, a question back to Jeremy asked in one of our past podcasts. Um, shit's hitting the fan. You got to get out. What gun are you grabbing? What gun am I grabbing? That's a great question, man. So many of them. Can I have? Are we talking just a just a rifle, or can I have a primary and a secondary? I'm going. (laughs) You have two hands, so I'm going to pass that off to Jeremy and let him uh, tell you whether what you can have. Hundred percent. I'm grabbing an AR-15. You know, just because. I mean, there's a reason that the U.S. has carried this firearm since Vietnam, right? And a lot of people criticize the AR-15, say it's too small of a caliber, but a lot of those people are people that have never had to carry around a firearm for long periods of time. So they've got this big AR 10 or something, you know, and they they don't know what it's like to carry a heavy ass weapon around with them all the time. And so, um, they, they also don't know what it's like to actually get in a firefight where you could run out of ammo. You know, they played a lot of call of duty where, you know, it's like you can click the screen and just get more ammo, you know, so I think, you know, versatility wise, I, I I have a bunch of firearms, but if I can only grab one firearm, I'm definitely grabbing the air, one of my many AR 15s, um, and, and rocking and rolling. Right on, man. That's what I like to hear. All right. I have, matter of fact, I probably grabbed, I have an MCX Rattler. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a SIG and it's, fold it's got a foldable buttstock. It's only 16 inches long. It's like the shortest. Five five six on the market. It's gas piston. It's got an M lock four end on it. I mean, this thing is it. It was made for the uh, British SAS. Yeah, and it is just a badass little gun. It's so the 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 round is coming out so hot because it's only a five point five inch barrel that you if you put a can on it, it'll blow the can up in like three hundred rounds. So you can't they 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 pin the flash suppressor on there, so you can't can't even put a flash suppressor. Uh, a can on it but i love it because it's so portable you still get the power of 556 it's effective out to like 200 yards and it's like i can cruise around with it nobody's even gonna i can put it in a backpack i can wear it under my jacket and people aren't even gonna know i have it so i want this stacy just wrote it down (laughs) (laughs) so rattler 556 they also have it in 300 blackout so 
So for for our listeners, and and Eli, you correct me if I'm wrong. A can is a silencer, correct? Yeah. So there's three kind of three typical names people give it. I don't technically, even though I think on paperwork it's classified as a silencer. I don't typically like that word just because it doesn't really, unless you have like a subsonic round. Yeah. It really doesn't make it silent. It just, you know, like if you're shooting a five five six you know, with a can on it, it just suppresses it. It sounds more like a whip cracking yeah. than, than anything else. Yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, that is another technical term for, you know, the suppressor can silencer. All right. More Good than deal. you wanted right there. <laughs> no, that was plenty of awesome information. <laughs> I'll take all we can get. But on that note, let's take a break. And when we get back, we're going to do uh, a couple of your favorite segments, and then we're going to let uh, Eli and Jen tell you all about how they, you guys could get in contact with them. So let's take a break right now. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the show, guys. We are going to jump right into rapid fire questions. We've all been waiting for tonight. Going to ask some fun questions here, guys. Tonight we will go Eli, Jen, Matt, Joel, Stacy. Guys, these are a quick answer off the top of your head. Here we go. First question: weirdest thing you've ever opened a bottle with, Eli? <laughs> My teeth. That's yeah. horrible. Jen, <laughs> your teeth? Oh, me. Yes, yeah. you. A bullet. A bullet. <laughs> a bullet. Like, like, like live ammunition. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The side of the counter. The side of the counter. Joel. Yeah. My wedding ring. Oh, I've seen that one. Stacy. My forearm. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. All right, guys. Would you rather go full carnivore or full vegan for one month? Are you uh, relaxed? Me that question. Are you serious? Bro? <laughs> <laughs> question. Carnivore all the, all the way. Dude. Carnivore. I'm practically one right now. There you go. I got to feel out what kind of people you are. Matt, what <laughs> challenge are you going for? Carnivore. No question. Joel, I know it's vegan because you're big into that. Yes, right? I love tofu. <laughs> all all uh, things. Stacy. Carney Army. There you go. All right. Does the great North American ape, a.k.a. Bigfoot, Use a bottle breacher to open his crispy boys, Eli. You know what? Yes. Rapid pretty, fire. He's pretty badass. I think he's using a bottle breacher all the way. Yes. Probably, right. probably one of those real big ones, right? The thirty mils. Thirty millimeter. There it is. That. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. There it is, Joel. No, he's not because he is drinking uh, big thirty-two ounce cans. I've heard he loves the shotgun beers. He may be using the breacher for that aspect of stabbing the can. That's what we did. And slamming them back. <laughs> We've yes. done that. Yeah. <laughs> he has to get away from people very quickly, so I imagine he drinks them fast. Like yeah, that. there's a, no enjoyment. Point. It's just straight Answer, buzz. Yes. Answer yeah, yes, yes, got it. All right, I wrote all these questions earlier, but it's kind of funny that you mentioned this. Lobster or shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> Lobster. Jen. I, I don't even see it. 
Wow, that's just crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no swimmers. Shrimp. I'm going to pick shrimp. Shrimps. Joel. I'm going to say lobster because I don't get it as often as I do the scripts. Lobster. There it is. Lobster. There it is. All right, guys. What is the perfect Valentine's Day present? Eli. A uh, new Sig Fire. Uh, that's a perfect answer. Jen. Vacation anywhere. Without there you go. <laughs> Matt. Flowers and chocolate. I got to go with the old standby. The wife loves it. There it is. Joel. My body. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is an answer. Yeah, that's everybody's dreams. Um, I'm, I'm with Jen on this. A trip somewhere. Let's go. All right, guys. You kind of missed it. That was my office reference of the week. The perfect Valentine's Day present is a personalized bobblehead. So, oh. Excuse- uh, uh, All right, guys. If money was no object, how many pounds of beef jerky would you eat in a day? Eli. I wouldn't eat a pound of beef jerky. I just would. I mean, I like beef jerky, but I ain't eat a pound of it. Maybe, maybe an ounce. Two an ounce. Really? I don't you haven't know. had good beef jerky. We got to send you some. Yep. <laughs> got to fix that, Jazz. <laughs> right. Jen, yeah, beef jerky of- fan? Yeah, I would eat a couple of cups of it. That's for sure. I there like- you go. Matt? Man, I got to tell you, I don't think it's the dollars that are limiting my beef jerky intake. It's the <laughs> amount of beef jerky I want that's limiting my beef jerky intake. So I guess I would eat exactly however much I want, regardless of dollars. There you go. There you go. Joel? If allowed to pair with my Cheetos. Oh, my, God. My OG, <laughs> if I could pair it with the OG Cheetos, I would say a solid five pounds. The, uh, the jerky and Cheeto sandwich. It's so. be- the best snack Thanks. on this planet. I don't down. know. What's the average bag? Like three or four ounces? Yeah, like a couple ounces. Just eight ounces. Like a couple bags. Just eight ounces. I could yeah. smash five. I could eat five pounds a day with Cheetos. Yeah, I could. For real. Next. Next. I ate five pounds over the course of like three days. So, all right, guys. Night owl or early bird? Eli. Either. I'm lazy. <laughs> Neither. Sleep in, go to bed early. <laughs> Night owl. Night owl. Night owl. Matt. Night Owl, for sure. Joel. <laughs> Night Owl. Stacy. Night Owl. All right. Night Shift Nurse. What round treat would you theme your child's birthday party after? Another one of these! Donut. Oh, <laughs> that's such a good one. Donut. That is the birthday party I went to this week. Jen. He won. Is that the only answer? No, there's lots. Okay. A round treat. A round treat with the senior child's birthday party after. (laughs) (laughs) Don't only round treat. That one is the perfect answer. Yes, you do, Jen. Eli's a round treat. That's what I said. Eli's themed birthday party. Eli Crane, folks. (laughs) Matt, what do you got? A cookie. Cookie. Yeah. Any specific cookie? Just chocolate chip. How about that? Chocolate chip. I'm going with the the OG cupcake. That's what I was gonna say. Okay. Yeah, stole your answer, lady. Yeah, you did. I don't know. I still yeah. I still like the donut. Like if I was gonna have a birthday party theme, it'd be donut. You should do pancakes. Okay, I, pancakes. You guys don't know this, but every week I keep asking these questions because I keep going to toddler birthday parties, and so it's fun stuff. <laughs> All right, guys, that brings us to our final question of the night. Stacy asked me not to ask this question because it doesn't make any sense because you guys have never had the reload rubs before. But I, I dropped the bomb. Re- I dropped the ball. Our reload rubs the greatest seasonings of all times. I'll let you guys skip this question for now. 
but we're going to want to answer as soon as you get some in your hands. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, now, Matt, I know you love to prepare an answer for this question every week. Yes, of course. Oh, better than <laughs> ever, man. <laughs> Blew my socks off. Joel? Is my body the greatest Valentine's gift known to man? It's yes. Anything. That's a yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Stacy? Does Raggedy Ann have a cotton crotch? <laughs> Can't say she doesn't, but you guys and your adolescent tickly meal wall references no! are getting a little here. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to bring us to the end of the rapid fire section. And now I'm going to throw it over to my man Joel for Reload Recommends. That's right, guys. We got skipped last week, but we are back now for Reload Recommends, the best segment on the podcast, way better than Jeremy's. We're going to dive into it right now with Reload Recommendations, Recommendations from Reload. So, guys, this week on Reload Recommends, we're going to break it down. I'm not letting anybody go. It's just going to be me and me alone because the whole crew is going to recommend that you go right now to Bottle Breacher and you look at some of their awesome, awesome products, the OG Bottle Breacher and much, much more, and uh, get you one for your weddings or just your personal self. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get one, get the Chrome 50 caliber one with the flag on it because that's so cool. It is cool. Guys, did I just kill? I killed, like, like the radio man voice in that one. Crushed it, dude. That was really that was really good. All right, speaking of that, what I really want to do right now is I want to pass it off uh, to you, Eli. I have heard uh, a little bird's been chirping that you got a book in the works, and I would like if you want to uh, maybe talk about that a little bit, and then you and Jen both talk about these new products that you guys have on your website. I know you all started um, with the bottle breacher with the fifty cal um, bottle opener, but you got a lot more than that. Um, that you guys sell. So talk about your book and then talk about uh, some of the stuff you guys sell and how, how everybody can get, you know, find you guys. Right. So um, as far as the book goes, I know a lot of people are, you know, there's a lot of jokes or jokes flying around about every Navy SEAL has a book, right? Um, <laughs> this isn't a, this isn't a typical Navy SEAL book where I talk about like, you know, um, you know, all my combat trips and stuff like that. It, this is a, this is a faith-based book, and I hope that it. I, I'm really looking forward. I'm really passionate about it. I've been working on it for a couple of years, and it's about um, you know people dealing with wounds from their past. It's called "Weaponize Your Wounds: Learning to Take What Was Meant for Harm and Using It for Good." Um, I come from a broken family, caused me a lot of pain and trauma, um, and uh, the, a lot of people. We can all go multiple ways with the wounds and uh, the pain that you know we uh, we deal with in life. And I found that oftentimes one of the best things that you can do with it is obviously heal from it, but then there's so many ways for you to use um, those experiences to bless and help other people out. And so that's what this book is going to be about. And I'm really hoping that we can uh, we can get it published and I'm hoping that it can really um, change some lives. So that's what that book is about. I love that. And, man. I love that yeah. a lot. And as far as the uh, the Bottle Breacher um, new products that we got coming out, we've got some uh, pretty cool stuff. That, uh, Joel, I think you're especially going to love since you're a hunter. We've got some antler breachers that we're working on. Ooh. I just We just launched some 2A breachers, um, which are just sheet metal. They look like a little SBR bottle breacher. And the reason I wanted to launch those is because I I got tired of people not understanding what the Second Amendment was all about. Amen. So we actually have the Second Amendment laser engraved on one side and um, you know, that's just something that, you know, we're going to we're going to continue to push new products and work on new products. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple others that, you know, are in the works that we can't really talk about right now. But 
Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's what we got in the works. I need to ask you guys, are you all still making, and cause I haven't, I haven't, um, checked cause it just popped in my dag- daggum head. Uh, are you still making the frags, the frag bottle openers? And by frags, if you're talking about the freedom frags, Hey, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah, dude. It's one of, it's, it's probably our second best selling product of all time. And, it was funny because I had we used to we used to have training grenades in the SEAL teams. We called them blue bodies. They they had blue bodies, and then you would they would have like a bla- a real blasting cap inside of them, and you would pull the pin just like you would a regular frag, and you would chuck it, and it would blow up. So you got used to like throwing grenades around corners and try to you learn you learned really quick how many people you kill if you screwed up throwing a grenade. Yeah. I know I did that a couple times, and I had an old one in my a gear. Couple and I was times, like, you know, right. <laughs> I, one in my gear that I that I brought that I left the military with, just the body, not like a live, yeah. you know, where went boom and stuff. But I was like, dude, I bet we could make that into a bottle opener. So we started working on it. I had a, a machinist work on it with me, and we developed the Freedom Frag. And, and then, like everybody, like like everything else that we do, we had to find sourcing and find, you know, where if we could get raw material like gummy grenades to actually make them. And it's just such a cool product because like it. Yeah, it it just shocks people. It's like a real wow thing, but it actually it's functional, and you can actually open your beer with it, or your Coke, or your whatever you're drinking, and uh, we can yeah. laser engrave whatever your logo is on it. It's just a really cool product. I love the Freedom that's, Frag. That's because, one thing we haven't put our hands on yet. No, we haven't. But I I love the concept though because how many times you out in the water, your hands are all soggy and pruny, and you're trying to you're trying to twist that to that, that that top <laughs> off, and you can't do it because your hands are ripping. But you get a Freedom Frag. That's right. That's right. Yep, that's cool. All right, guys. Well, tell everybody right now, um, the people that maybe don't know about you all, where they can find you, where they can get your product, and, um, you know, what they can do. BottleBreacher.com. Instagram, BottleBreacher, Twitter, BottleBreacher, Facebook, BottleBreacher. And if you guys want to follow me personally, it's just Eli Crane, CEO. I think at everyone, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Right on, man. Well, guys, thank you all so much. This has been more than a blessing for us having you guys on. Like, such amazing stories. Such an amazing, you know, um, come up from nothing story with you guys. Super inspiring. Super inspiring. Especially for us, too, right here. A lot of fun, by the way. You guys were a lot of fun to talk to. Full of full yeah. of great information and good laughs. But we appreciate you guys coming on and being here with us today. We'll back at you, man. Uh, God bless you guys. And if you guys ever need anything, you know, please feel free to hit us up. And thanks again for supporting us. And uh, I do look forward to getting some reload rubs so that uh, old Jen over here can try it out in the kitchen. And, uh, <laughs> Traditional household, right? Yes, I get it. As soon as we get some, we'll definitely do some social media surrounding it. And, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a pleasure. So thank you. Yes. We're going to get you. Freedom crack. That damn straight. Ooh, we got to try that for sure. That's what that, I'm might, that might be for uh, anniversary year number four. That's what I'm talking about. Freedom frags. Hey, oh. All right, guys. Well, guys. I have a question. How long have you guys been married for? We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary uh, on the 21st. The anniversary trip. So I was wondering. Yep, yeah, ten, right. 10 years and we've been in business for three, so. We were supposed to go to old Mexico. And we actually, you know, kind of like you guys, we, um, well, we got engaged less than a year and then we were married in a little over a I year. I knew I had to have all this right yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. I had to get it. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. We'll be staying in touch.
It was nice to meet you. Uh, you too. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks uh, for coming on. Guys, thank you all so much for listening to the show. We appreciate you guys. If you all want to hear more of That Reload Podcast, subscribe right now. Do it. Do it. You won't regret it. I promise you. You can listen to That Reload Podcast anytime, anywhere. Thank you all again. We love you. We'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. I'm trying to find pictures. My, like My mom, did, did we talk about the whole meme that my mom saw online that said, so my mom saw this thing online and it said, um, would you run through a mall naked for three minutes for $70 million? Yes, oh. absolutely. Is that Without not- even like a second thought. I said 500,000, I'll do it. I'll <laughs> run for 30 minutes. Hey, maybe that could be an, maybe that could be an icebreaker. For I, I, I do it for like a hundred bucks. I, Matt, I'll, I'll do it for that bottle of bourbon. <laughs> the goal is to ask you some questions. Maybe you haven't been asked before. I know you've been on a ton of these shows. Yeah. Yeah. It, anything is open game with me, man. So anything you guys want to ask. Oh, <laughs> don't open that I rabbit hole. <laughs> I can tell you haven't listened to our podcast before. <laughs> Not anything. But. Yeah. But wait a minute, you have tarantulas mm-hmm. right outside of your home and your kids still go to sleep at night? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're the spawn of a Navy SEAL. They don't care about tarantulas. Every time girls start yelling and screaming, man, I know that there's going to be some critter that I've got to take care of. So, <laughs> And tarantulas <laughs> swim. They, they're on top of the water. It's funny when people ask my daughter, like especially my little one, what is what does your dad do? She's like, Oh, he kills bugs. <laughs> <laughs>